Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The future is coming, which is kind of always the case. But with Squarespace, you can make it brighter and make it easy to turn your idea into a unique website, showcase your work, you can blog, publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You don't have to know anything about programming. My fiance actually uses it to promote her yoga business. You can customize everything from the look and feel settings and products. You can use beautiful templates created by world-class designers, or you can do some of your own design as well. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use the offer code capspace to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain don't forget that capspace code let them know that you came from us well here we are we it seems like we say this every couple of weeks or so but one of our favorite podcasts of the year our most controversial podcasts of the year of course the top 10 players in the nba danny are you ready i am and this year i don't know why i i thought it was kind Kind of a different challenge. One of the big reasons, and we don't have to talk about him specifically unless you have him number one, was Kawhi Leonard, because you have a player who is clearly one of the 10 best players in the league when he's healthy, who has not been healthy all year. And that, I think, was the biggest challenge that I dealt with, but also the the mix of rising guys and other players who didn't necessarily fall. So it's like, like there were a bunch of dynamics with that. That isn't really as big a deal at number one, but later in the list, I had some more competitive than I had expected. And I enjoyed that. And then I also had a challenge around number 10, which you apparently dealt with in a different way than I did. (laughs) Well, and the way we're going to do this, of course, we're going to put it into tiers. This is a natural companion to our top 10 position rankings, which we've done over the past two months or so. So it'll be interesting to see where these guys fit in now that we have to mash these positions together. We always do things in tiers, of course, to give an idea of who we thought was really close to one another and the, the idea behind the tiers is well if there's at least an argument in our minds that this person could be above the other person even if they're not then you're in that tier once you get to the point where all right there's no way that i can argue that this guy is better than one of the ones above him now you're starting a, a new tier essentially is the way that it works right and those were challenging this year as well i think and a big part of that for me is the decline of of the guy who I still have at number one. Don't want to get into that yet. One question that I had, because unlike some of the other podcasts, this is a tough one in terms of a real criteria. And I'll explain the issue that I had. The issue I have with this always is how do you reconcile the players who are very different in the regular season and the playoffs? And among the players this year, the biggest disparity is in terms of intensity on defense. So a guy like LeBron, who has been in chill mode a lot defensively, 
this year, but certainly has the capability versus someone like theoretically Kawhi Leonard, who when he is physically able to play, plays at a much higher intensity for the average regular season game. Yeah, that that's really difficult. And I think we'd stick with the same criteria we've been using for the position rankings, which is if you're going to start an NBA season now, or in the case of some of the guys who are injured at the time when they are as healthy as we expect them to be when recovering from their present injury, you know, like DeMarcus Cousins, for example, in the center rankings, we said, okay, you know, we'll rank him where we think he'll be once he's back from the Achilles. Uh, so if you're starting a season right now and your goal is to win a championship, who would you most want to have on your team with average talent around them? And uh, one of the things that's a, a philosophy for me, at least, is that the premium skill in the NBA still is creating shots efficiently for yourself and others. Defense obviously matters a ton, especially at the big positions, but this is borne out by some of the on-off rankings. The difference between the best and worst offensive players is far greater than the best and worst defensive players, right? If you're going to say, hey, Doug McDermott, you got to guard LeBron James in isolation versus Omer Ashik, you got to go score against Rudy Gobert. Doug McDermott will have more success than Omer Ashik would in that situation. There's just a greater differential between offensive and defensive skills. And so that's why I, I, offense is just harder to come by than defense is, right? I mean, if you're going to say Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the NBA, it's a lot easier for me to get a reasonable facsimile of what Rudy Gobert is doing than it is for me to get a reasonable facsimile of what LeBron James or Steph Curry or James Harden is doing. So that that's a defense certainly matters, but not as much as offense to me, uh, especially because I think it's easier in some ways now to hide a bad defensive player than it is to hide a bad offensive player. Yeah, especially with certain switch systems. And that doesn't benefit every bad defensive player for guys too small. You can think of Isaiah Thomas for this. That, that doesn't necessarily work. But bigger guys who are more limited, I think, have a lot more viability at this point than they did before in terms of scheme. And I think we've seen that around the league now with some of these players. So do you want to get started with number one? It is the, the podcast does bear your name after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and we got a lot of other stuff we want to talk about too just like some of our biggest regrets from last year as yeah. as well uh so my tier one and we'll talk about where we were last year as well on some of these uh last year i had lebron james number one in a tier by himself uh based on how incredibly he'd been in that 2016 playoffs and i still have him number one but i have him in a tier with four other players and the reason for that is you know i think i'll give you just my top four in tier one is lebron james james harden steph curry and kevin durant are, are my one through four and the reason i have lebron one i think harden has gone to another level this year uh number two I think LeBron's just his regular season play, especially defensively, is just more problematic. He is a year older, despite the fact that he's holding off Father Time, maybe the best of anyone ever. Certainly, you know, Kareem and Jordan are probably the only other ones who are have done as well this late. Maybe Carl Malone as well, though he was never at the level that uh, Kareem or Jordan were at. And we've seen it. This is the first year, really, that his defense in some of the on-off metrics has really fallen off. And so, I don't know, he was still able to be awesome in the playoffs last year. You know, I thought he was the best player in the playoffs last year even considering the fact that they lost pretty handily in the finals but when you've got the 28th ranked defense in the nba i think he's been a major part of why they've been so bad and we just don't know whether he's going to be able to turn it up enough in the playoffs this year doesn't have as much talent around him this year so just the, those problematic indicators in the regular season i think uh, and the fact that yeah you know what like he can be awesome in the playoffs but it's still nice to at least have home court advantage in, in 
in uh, the first round, which they're kind of in danger of falling out of now. Uh, so I'm still predicting that he's going to be unbelievable in the playoffs, but there's enough to worry me that I'm at least putting him back in the same tier with some of these other guys, especially because I would say Curry has been better than last year in the regular season other than the injuries, and Harden obviously has gotten to another level, and, and he's almost certain to win MVP, deservedly so this year. I would put LeBron as the third best offensive player in the league so far this year. Does that seem about right to you behind Harden and Steph? Yeah, that's that's probably about right, uh, and, I would and say. And so if you have him at third, the reason why I have him number one overall as well, in again, like you, in a tier involving more people, we have a couple of differences, and I'll explain those in a second. But let's start with LeBron because that's where you go. The difference between him and Curry and Harden is that he has a lot more defensive capability, even if he's not what he was game in, game out. The ability for him to ratchet it up is incredibly valuable because if you need a game, whether that is in the regular season or in the playoffs, there is plenty of reason to believe that LeBron can get to a higher level than those guys can. As yeah, and he also last year he we've seen him reach a level in the playoffs that we probably haven't seen from Harden uh, or from Curry. Sure, and uh, his and, and, and even and his, as, as recently as last year's playoffs. Yeah, and his offensive capability it's a lot harder to you know to scheme. He's such a phenomenal passer and he's a lot taller which matters that you can so strong dangerous in transition so there aren't as many ways to limit him and also while you know he had that crazy jump shooting success early in the year now he's at 37 percent for three which is still very good and, and has certainly helped him age as well as he has i believe that offensively he has more i don't know if versatility is the right word but he has more viability because there just aren't that many things you can throw at him there Kawhi leonard is one of the only guys who is about the right size and even there you have limitations that's a great point if you wanted to say hey how many guys are there in the league that we feel like can defend this person really well you know i'd say lebron still has the fewest in in the league of just due to his mobility the fact that his jump shot has been adequate enough this year that you really have to guard him out there as opposed to curry kd you know those those guys harden even there are guys that we feel like have had success defending them whereas and that's a longer list for them to me than it is for lebron it's a longer list and there is a longer history of them not succeeding to whatever degree we're, yeah. we're qualifying that with lebron you know even going back to the 2015 finals where you and i both disagreed with the idea where that he was a potential mvp of that series he was still phenomenal offensively and Andre Guadala basically got the finals MVP, which we both disagreed with, because he slowed him down enough that LeBron almost like, was in that conversation. You think about how remarkable that is. And then in 2016, unbelievable. 2017 playoffs, he was fabulous. Wasn't as great in the finals, though I don't think of him as the reason they lost in any way, shape, or form in that. So, yeah, I mean, how was he not as great in the finals? I thought statistically he was right uh, there. I mean, I think just defensively, he wasn't able to stop KD. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Well, yeah, and, uh, and there's there's an argument to be made him. that they just, from a team building perspective, that Cleveland just put him in a lurch because what he was best at defensively in 2016 was being the center fielder. And that just became untenable. And that's not LeBron James's fault. It's not his fault that the Warriors added a top five player at the same position that he often guards and they didn't add another forward. They instead spent their middle level unwisely, in my opinion. And that's not LeBron's fault. So, I, but, and he was great in the rest of the playoffs as they stormed through everything in the Eastern Conference, albeit a weaker Eastern Conference. And so, so at a certain point in time, he is going to fall off 
off even another step from where he has been so far. And there is reason to believe that maybe he doesn't have that fastball defensively just because we haven't really seen it very much, only for single possessions, even single plays a lot this re- this year. But he has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt and partially because nobody else has taken it from him. I think, as you said, we have different players in this year for, for this year. There are guys yeah. who can do it, but none of them have established it at this point. So LeBron has it for now. Yeah, I mean, and if James Harden continues to play at this level in the playoffs, which we've seen him have good playoffs before. We've seen him have some duds, obviously, as well. But if he leads Houston to a championship this year, then, you know, he he absolutely will probably be number one on this list next time. You know, unless it's just one of those times, again, where LeBron makes it to the finals and he's unbelievable and just doesn't clearly doesn't have enough help. But um, so tell me where, where you are. Take me through, I guess, your first tier. And then if you're getting into a second tier, um and so i mean and uh yeah so just go on please <laughs> my first tier team. is actually five guys it includes one player that okay. you did have, and the order is is different but again these are really close it is closer within this tier than it has ever been for me and all the times we've done this exercise so i'll just run through them in order and then we can talk about it lebron's one i have steph curry at number two Kawhi at number three duran at number four and harden at number five and i'll start with harden because i think wow. that's probably going to be the most controversial the reason for it for me is just that I want to see it one more time in the playoffs against high-level competition. The second he does that, he moves probably to two on this list, but I'm a little bit queasy. I talked about this with Matt Moore on Real Jam Radio a couple weeks ago that it might be totally unfair, but that series against the Spurs is, it lingers with me. It really does, and Harden has had some very good playoffs, and, and he has had some good series, but I'm still worried about those sorts of things, the way that he can be denied in the playoffs and he is a phenomenal player all of these guys I mean I I think Harden has been the best you know overall offensive value player in the league this year and his defensive value has been substantially better than in the past but it might be unfair I acknowledge that but that concern I can't shake it yet and and I'm just waiting for him to shake it for me yeah I, I think that's totally understandable and especially when we saw the way the Spurs were able to really take away uh, him getting to the foul line by keeping their hands out of the strike zone with him uh, and and that was back when the rules were even more favorable in terms of getting shooting fouls getting three shot fouls than they are now and so I think if you're a little bit more dependent on getting calls especially those trickster calls that's something that potentially can be taken away in the playoffs because number one maybe the refs just get sick of it and aren't calling those as much and number two because teams can really lock in especially ones with good coaching like the spurs and say hey you know like we're not going to commit these kind of bs fouls that you're drawing all the time and i mean that the number one question maybe almost for me for this year's playoffs is is this incredible iso scoring and three-point shooting as well that harden has had i mean harden is shooting this incredible percentage kp tweeted this out that dame lillard is number one in terms of the greatest difficulty of three-pointers he attempts and james harden is number two uh, and both those guys obviously have been hitting it at an incredible rate lately from downtown. So is that going to hold up? Is the three-point shooting with the hand in his face, the ISO time after time, late in games especially, if he can continue to dominate like that, because he's gone to another level with that in the regular season as well. If he can continue to dominate like that in the playoffs, and maybe that'll just be luck. Maybe it's not a big enough sample size, but we haven't seen it from him yet. You know, He's got the mobility to get up to number one. I had him above Curry in part because I think you know Curry's injury concerns this, this year with four sprains of that right ankle are, are a little bit of a concern uh i think harden has taken more of a step forward on defense th- this year to where the teams have struggled a little bit more to take
take advantage of him but maybe we'll see them get him out on the floor where his mobility is just awful and he'll get beaten that way as opposed to teams trying to post him up which is a dumb way to try and attack him so we, it'll be really interesting to see here um and i guess Kawhi, your rationale for having him here is just like hey i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's gonna get back to where he was pretty much i the the start for me of the exercise with Kawhi was if i transported mid-april 2017 Kawhi leonard so after the season he just had which is about the time let's say about the time we did this last year if i were to transport right. that guy right now i would actually have had him second i would have had him above above curry for second and so i marked him down a little bit because of the uncertainty but Kawhi was just so spectacular last year at being able to generate reliable offense you know not not the linchpin that Curry Harden LeBron are obviously but he was productive on that end and then he was the most valuable defensive player in terms of against elite teams like as a playoff defender all the kind of stuff in the league when he was healthy and that's what puts him over Durant for me and that the, the reason why I had him in tier one was basically the Kawhi versus Durant thing and Durant is a wonderfully efficient score he is not near the defensive player that Kawhi Leonard was last year he has these little inklings that are kind of close and to me the offensive difference between those two is less important it might even be closer than the defensive difference and so when I couldn't put Durant over Kawhi I had to put Kawhi in tier one yeah I had KD over Kawhi last year and while KD I think has had some troubling indicators defensively this year and he had an unbelievable playoffs he was the finals MVP he was the best player in the NBA Finals to me maybe maybe you could say it was LeBron uh but you know I had and I thought KD was better than Kawhi in that 2016 series when they matched up directly against one another for large portions of the series so I, I still had would have KD above Kawhi especially you know even where he was healthy last year uh and then I have Kawhi down in a, in a third tier actually below two other guys who are, who are five and six I have at number seven and that's just because I'm not sure that he is going to get back. I mean, this has been such an intractable injury for him. By the way, uh, the best suggestion we've gotten on Twitter uh, after my terrible one, which was like the Kawhi in action, uh, is the uh, Kwisis, which I thought was pretty good uh, for like, like the it. way to describe this, this whole drama. I was yeah, trying to yeah. think of one uh, about around Kawhidling because that's basically what's happening, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> that's better <laughs> yeah because there's always just some breathless new report uh, about this but anyway uh for Leonard, yeah, it's just this has been such an intractable injury. He's he's a guy now. He's actually missed a fair amount of time in all of his seasons now. Um, in part due to the whole Spurs resting thing, but also I think there's some durability concerns. And he is. We don't know whether he's going to get back. I mean, this is the this injury is just so weird that it just you know he hasn't had a timetable. No one knows what's going on. This tendinopathy. I mean, maybe it could be something that affects him for the rest of his career. He clearly still doesn't feel right after you know what is the six months. So basically trying to rehab this thing five months so that's uh, really concerning and so certainly i don't want to diminish what he was before but i didn't have him as high I still had him only at, at number four overall last year uh and i think harden has gone up a, another level as have a couple of guys below him and so there's just too much uncertainty with him i i had him at number seven overall at the top of my tier three so i 
I think you're being a little bit too high on him as like even as a healthy player and I also think you're just discounting the fact that or, or not the fact but the possibility that he doesn't get back to this same level I think is, is a severe one well I, I guess one of the clarifying questions to ask is we're at this point in his career not you know when he won his MVP if you insert Kevin Durant on a team with average talent around him how good do you think their offense is well I was thinking about this the other day actually I think that KD being on the Warriors without Curry is actually doing him a disservice they don't like all the off ball stuff like he's not really that good at that stuff you know he doesn't move tirelessly without the ball he doesn't set amazing screens he doesn't come off of screens without the ball incredibly well he's I think can be a lot better with set pieces now with shooting around him obviously the way he didn't necessarily have in OKC but when you consider that there's no shooting on the Warriors without Curry and you know he's not really doesn't get the ball in high pick and roll that much doesn't really I mean they'll ISO him some but not as much as they used to and the the Warriors aren't really used to playing off of those ISOs uh so you know he doesn't get to the basket as much as he used to I think maybe if he had to he might do that a little bit more uh you know I mean there's I don't know that we're going to see him in that 10 free throw attempts per game type of level anymore uh but I think actually you know on an average team he might help more than he helps uh, the Warriors uh with Curry out because they just really have a system that's not particularly conducive to his talents right now uh even though when all everybody's healthy the hole is there and 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 Kate even kind of alluded to that a little bit when he says when Curry out like Curry is the system Uh, and they've never KD we've seen that he's capable of carrying an offense by himself uh even though he isn't quite maybe at the peak that he was at before Uh, but you know we've seen him really not be able to be effective carrying an offense with this talent that they have uh, around uh he and Curry I mean they have one other three-point shooter on the team uh who uh, really other than uh when when Curry is out and that's Clay Thompson I agree with all that I I think if we're balancing out contributions I would say you would expect a team with Durant as the best player with reasonable talent to be top half very distinct chance of being top 10 offensively I think that's probably about where you put it and that's wonderful for a wing in particular that's exceedingly rare you know that's when we're getting into and that's why actually I have him in the place I do is that that's valuable and then his defensive potential in a weird way like LeBron where when he's engaged when he can burn the candle at both ends which he has not really done this year that is something Harden can't do that is something Curry can't do and Uh, ironically a lot of his value comes from the fact that he is actually one of the few guys in the league who can defend LeBron James one-on-one and not get killed Mm -hmm. yeah certainly fair and Uh, there's a reason why I have three wings three three forward sized dudes in this tier and it's partially because of their value against each other um let's talk about stuff a little bit I, I mean he is statistically having the second best season of his career and by the on off stuff whether it's if you look at our apm for example which we've hit on a little bit that's we, we talked about that in the 15 and 60 with hassan white said that's basically not using the box score prior to kind of stabilize things stephen curry is number one in offensive rpm and it's not even close offensive our apm i should say and it's not even close he's two points higher than the second highest which is uh, carl towns in that particular statistic that just purely measures the on off adjusted for t 
teammates in opposition. It's a very noisy stat. That's why people throw in the box score data as well to try to stabilize it a little bit. And and but but that's really interesting. And then same thing if you look at just regular RPM, real plus minus. Steph Curry is the best offensive RPM in the NBA, uh, almost a half point ahead of Russell Westbrook, who's number two, uh, and nearly a full point ahead of, of LeBron. Oh shit! Never mind. That's uh 2016 17. Let me change it. All right, he's second behind James Harden in offensive Harden. RPM, and he's uh 1.5 points ahead of third, which is Chris Paul. I think Curry. He's not as spectacular as an isolation guy, you know, against the pick and roll as he was in 2014-15 or especially 2015-16 where you just can't switch him really you know i mean he was like he would like kill kevin durant in isolation back then you know i mean he, basically anybody uh before he got hurt but still i mean if you just look at the effect that he has and, and then his own incredible efficiency he was at 67 percent true shooting this year um getting to the and, foul line more he, yeah that's exactly where right. i was gonna go like yeah that curry's value has changed in that way offensively this is not his 15-16 unanimous MVP. That that Stephen Curry probably is never coming back. But his his ability to we may never see a season like that ever again in NBA history by anyone. I mean, if you if you just totally go fair. back and look at the the highlights and some of the shots that he hit that year, I mean, there's just we may never see anything like that. Like the level of confidence that he was playing with and living up to it that year. I mean, it's just and the number of ridiculous key shots that he hit. I mean, there's just there may never be anything like that again. I, I think because they lost in the finals that year people have forgotten just how unbelievable that team and he particularly as a player was that season yeah i was actually thinking about that the other day i was asked about the best games of curry's career and one of the ones i thought of was that what you and i did a special podcast on the greatest regular season game of all time that we are the best one that we could remember that game against oklahoma city and he was injured came back and then hit that pull up from 38 feet something like that and 38 that, feet yeah. that was unbelievable and he to me per minute has been the best offensive player in the league orapm is certainly in our in in favor of that and curry also yeah. derives i, I would have to go with i would have to go with harden even uh, per minute I, I think i would yeah just because I, I think harden's isolation ability is just a little bit more plug and play i think curry well, I'll, I'll, so it's yeah but i'm not that, saying it's obvious by any means my counter to that is the way that curry affects a defense off ball is massive and a huge difference from harden and that allows you to to work with a lot of other things Harden having the ball in his hands is a better offense than almost everything else but Curry makes all of the other options look better because teams he has so much gravity and he's so active I think that really affects the way that the openings that exist for other players and the point about Curry's presence and the system the Warriors have built around him obscuring from some of what Kevin Durant as well is a completely fair one but that has value in basically any system if you were to do a plug and play or something like that that you just a team is going to be sitting there they're probably going to have two guys looking at curry almost every other time when he has the ball when he doesn't have the ball and i i think that opens things up for everybody else and defensively you know the 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 argument between him and harden i i count it as close to a wash now which is a gigantic win for james harden that was not the case back when those guys were competing for mvps a few years ago so i have him second in that way and i i I, 
for for largely those reasons. But it's brutally close between all these guys. It's just really about what what you prefer and your version of a team. And I, I just I like what if you just threw Curry onto a team of random dudes, I think that would work out better than doing it with Harden, especially if we're throwing in a random coach as opposed to the coaches they have now. Yeah, I still the it wouldn't have Curry quite as high because you had Curry at two, right? So and I have yes. him at three. But again, I mean, I think Curry overall in his career has been better than Harden in the playoffs. And, and I think so much is going to be determined. Hopefully all these players are healthy this year in the playoffs. Uh, so we'll get to the, the rest of our rankings here. But first, uh, on this, one of the best gambling weeks of the year, mybookie.ag is the way to bet uh, online. You win and they pay fast without any hassles at mybookie.ag. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. You can even enter for a chance to win their million-dollar bracket challenge. Back before I was in media, I did some betting on college hoops in March, and it's a pretty fun way to enjoy the tournament. I used to even take that Thursday and Friday off so I could watch the games with my friends, and mybookie.ag is a great way to make those events even more enjoyable. And if you want to get started with them right now, mybookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. That's a pretty awesome deal. Just use the promo code CAPSPACE to activate the offer. Easy to remember CAPSPACE. We talk about it all the time on the program. So visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, and get paid. Use that CAPSPACE promo code to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. And for tracking purposes, let them know that you came from us. So one through four again, James, James Harden, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant. And then I had a two-person tier two, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis. I had those two in that order plus the person that i've been higher on than you for the entire run of dunked on chris paul which is surprising because i think i'm higher on him than most are overall that is probably also true but yeah i mean and and last year i had chris paul fifth which a lot of people thought was was jarring i am very proud of i believe i had him over russell westbrook last year and i feel pretty good about that at this point now but let's talk about Giannis and ad first because to me one of the stories of building this list was those guys moving over a player who i think is spectacular and is having a wonderful year and they absolutely unequivocally have earned it well so who are you talking about that you move them above Giannis and ad over chris paul oh, oh okay so you have them over chris paul but paul is in oh the absolutely same so that so yeah. that's uh your six seven and eight now that's my six seven eight yes yeah okay so i i have Giannis and nad above paul i think that both of them have just been carrying some pretty mediocre teams uh, this year though you can yeah, you can argue the bucks have more talent than uh their record might suggest but i think Giannis has been awesome uh defensively he's been great the, the metrics for him rpm number seven uh rapm he, he's number eight overall um we had him at 13 last year and i think he's really moved up although i think it's fair to note that he has probably been declining as the year's gone maybe due to injury maybe due to just he was really hot to start the year uh maybe just that it was unsustainable what he was doing especially the shooting around the room he's down to actually only 59 percent true shooting which is not that amazing when you consider some of his gifts and, and his shooting around the room because he's just been forced to take more mid-rangers which he can't hit yet uh but i think i had Giannis ahead of ad i think just because he's a wing it's just a little bit easier to get him the ball uh, and that's probably the the biggest reason i mean ad is just a and Giannis is more of a passer ad not a guy who's really setting up others that much also the variance for ad is something he's the highest variant star in the nba so he'll just have some real clunkers sometimes you know in part maybe because you can't get him the ball as easily 
KD is just more dependent on alley-oops and offensive rebounds and stuff that he's just not quite able to create himself. He certainly has been pretty good defensively uh, this year, and he's hit he's gotten to another level of late before spraining his ankle so we, we might even feel differently about him if he can keep up that level for another few weeks and lead the pals of the playoffs but I, I think for these guys they just each of them only have one playoff series in their career right now they both have pretty severe limitations to their game even offensively at this point uh Giannis with the jump shot ad with just you know not being able to create as much himself not really do much from a passing standpoint so that's why i had them a little bit below the these top guys i mean these top guys have all played deep into the playoffs before led teams deep in the playoffs and i just i can't quite go there yet with Giannis and ad even though you can certainly make the argument that both of them have been better than say kevin durant certainly and maybe even lebron uh on a per minute basis this regular season one other point which i used against anthony davis at least in the regular season is his reluctance justified as it is to not play center or his reluctance to play center and he would be more valuable there it, it would allow a team to play more spacing he can defensively he can hold his own there and it changes the way you have to build your team a little bit i'm not saying it it is unjustified i but in from a value proposition the fact that by and large you're playing these two guys who have the ball in their hands different amounts and Giannis can create a little bit more you're functionally playing them at the same defensive position i think that saps just a little bit out of ad's value now if he plays center in these playoffs a lot more like he did from what i'm recalling i'm doing this from memory in that series in 2015 against the Warriors if he can do that again then I'll, I'll care a little bit less about it because like a lot of these players if they can step it up in the playoffs do that but I have to actually see that because it has been three years now AD is the first one of these guys who if you're gonna say is probably a little bit miscast as your number one option you know and I know he's been scoring just a ton of points lately uh, but it's still just in terms of like we're gonna throw this guy the ball he's gonna be the big engine he's gonna create for our whole team with those you know he's just a little bit more as as you like to say of a dependent talent despite the fact that you know he's been so dominant lately uh and there's always always the injury concerns with him a little bit as well um i mean last year he was number 10 so he's moved up Giannis was number 13 last year for me so both these guys have moved up significantly as you'd expect given their ages where they're coming into their prime though i think both these guys have been better than either of us thought they would be this year uh so that was the end of my tier two anything else you want to comment on there before we bring it down a little bit lower well i'll mention for for reference that i had Giannis at eight and ad at nine last year so they have moved up a little bit i guess a little bit less for me but i think that some of that was just in relation to me not feeling the bottom guys in the t- in the top 10 last year which is a problem i had again this year where you know the the idea of it but I, when one, you say not I, feeling them what do you mean like so last year i had jimmy butler 10 i just thought they were better players than jimmy butler i still feel they're better players than jimmy butler so i did that and and it's always a challenge at the bottom of this just circumstances and everything else but i think a big point that we've talked about this a little bit at the top but it's way more pertinent for these two guys we could be feeling completely different about this in mid-may in late may because they can prove it they can against great competition hopefully both of them are going to get that opportunity whether they rise or they fall because of it and that uncertainty weighs against their value because it should because players this good when we're talking about a top 10 these are players that need to be able to perform in the playoffs against the best of the best so uh, my tier three i started off Kawhi at number seven at the top of it and then the rest of it mirrored very much uh the second tier of my point guard rankings when i had four players uh, in the same tier i have those very four same players uh at eight through eleven that's chris paul number eight damian lillard number nine 
nine russell westbrook number 10 and kyrie irving number 11 and then there i actually normally i would just only go down this far you know irving would have just been an honorable mention but i feel like there's so many other good players we need to talk about a little bit below this level i created a tier four that has another five guys in it below them uh but i felt the difference between to me between those guys and the guys below them uh is just that they're they've played at a better level this season uh as the main offensive engines for their team some of the guys below them where i have like Embiid, towns uh victor oladipo i had at number 16 because he's just been so good this year uh you know those guys haven't proven it yet in the playoffs and then jimmy butler and paul george to me are really just clearly not guys who on a great team you want to have as your number one options whereas i think all five of these guys have proven that they can do it as a number one option um leading great offenses so that's what where i made the differentiation again i mean even that that differentiation is a tough one though because you could certainly make the argument that butler and Bede have been better than say westbrook uh, this year um but i i still want to see a little bit more from that uh, but uh, why don't you uh give your kind of next range or so and then we can talk about this a little bit so like you i had a, a separation so mine was i had chris paul at eight and then with tier three i only went ranked it through a top 10 but i can say the other guys i considered which yeah. is basically that i just didn't rank them because it was a top 10 list and the point guards are certainly looming large in it Kyrie and Damian Lillard for me I already have Chris Paul above that so he's already spoken for and Westbrook is in the also considered but I have him below those guys just as I did in the point guard rankings and I again yeah. struggled and, with and that's Kyrie. understandable Westbrook Westbrook has not been that efficient this year I mean it's a, a lot of it's being dragged down by that really ugly first month and a half or sure. so um, but it all counts but I yeah. mean yeah and, it, it does but I think you know if you look at his and there's certainly an argument that with his reliance on athleticism he could be, be slowing down quite a bit and, and, and that could be relevant and, and he is among the players that has a massive disparity between his athletic defensive capability and what he actually does the frequency with which he gets lost on talented players is jarring and his consistency in that element is concerning he can't switch well i think there are certain systems that he could do very well in defensively where he's just actually strangely similar to harden in that way where just just the way you would make his assignments and he is a wonderful offensive player for what he does but i find what he does offensively less valuable less intriguing than Kyrie and dame at this point you know certainly he can have a he has the capability of having a season far better than those guys he was our pick for mvp last year for a reason that was that is was not a mistake that is not a mistake but if we're talking expected value as an offensive player for me he is below those guys because he is not reliably efficient as a scorer and there's no reason to believe that the system is hurting his efficiency as a scorer other than maybe him taking a few extra shots but this year they have paul george and carmelo anthony and steven adams i think he can contribute well to what steven adams does but if you were to throw all three of those guys in a mix and all you were asking was what team is going to have the best offense i would have russell westbrook third yeah i I think that's reasonable and of all the guys that i just talked about in my top 16 westbrook is the guy who's the most difficult fit because he's not really a great off ball shooter he never ever cuts or moves without the ball uh he dominates the ball when he makes the pass generally you know it's to someone who's immediately open right then you know he's not moving the ball and letting others go to work as much he's done that a little bit with george and a little bit with kd there's still always the questions of hey you know if they ever had adequate shooting on his team uh if they ever had even five good guys on his team you know how good could he be but there's a, a reasonable argument that some of the issues that they've persistently had have related to him um and he's really i mean if you look 
look at it we talk about here how important shooting is and if we talk about players when they're prospects who don't project to be you know above average shooters i mean look at this that top 16 that i just said Giannis and russ are really the only guys and russ is still a totally adequate shooter are the only guys that you wouldn't say are at least average or above in terms of positional shooting uh and a lot of them obviously are are unbelievable so that's uh westbrook the the fact that he doesn't fit as well i think is a reason to have him lower and and he's also a guy i could expect to see a lot lower on this list by next year especially because he could if he's not able to be as efficient you know and with some declining athleticism i think you could see he's this kind of guy who has a profile where he could drop off very quickly um but yeah i think it, it was it was very interesting to me to like to try to do that cutoff between tier three and tier four i mean i found just differentiating between paul lillard westbrook and irving to be just incredibly difficult in the point guard rankings and i found it to be the same here in this top 10 they weren't in your top 10 and they weren't in mine either i had jimmy butler 11th because the reason he's 11th is that i moved him out of the top 10 so that's why i know where he was going to be but why did but you do that why did i move him out because the idea of because i realized i i couldn't have him above lillard and and Kyrie. i just couldn't do it for myself and because he isn't the I, i'm trying to figure i've been trying to figure out this argument for a while but basically for me it's that when you insert him either on your team or on opposition he does doesn't transform what that team is he just makes that version of them much better and i think that's just less valuable i mean a a Kyrie irving team offensively is going to have certain benefits and certain downsides but also the reason i have had irving over lillard in the point guard rankings and have it here is because he has proven his incandescent ability to score one-on-one even against elite defense on any stage and jimmy butler hasn't really had the opportunity to do that he has played in the playoffs obviously but he hasn't delivered in the same way that Kyrie has. And Lillard has done more offensively this year. And Jimmy Butler, phenomenal defensive talent. And I think he has been the best defensive thing about the Wolves this year and what has been a monumentally disappointing defensive season for them. But I don't think that's enough to push him over those two. But I do think that's enough to push him over Russell Westbrook because Westbrook, it's just the, the overall package. If you put him on a team, I just think that's less valuable. But let me let me run through all of the other guys that I consider. I didn't rank them like well, you did can, can but, we talk about butler again uh, quickly sure, before you move on though um oh and so, I, i'd like to talk about butler versus paul george as well that's the other conversation here yeah that one is interesting i, I had butler at, at 13 and paul george at 15 uh, although again you know that tier four I, the, the rankings are a little bit more muddied so I, i'm not as uh, hewing as close to that but for me butler you know he's a solid defensive player but i think the best guys can still beat him right like i think paul george is above him as a defensive player i think Kawhi is above him as, as a defensive player and then offensively too you know i think he's effective in the regular season but i think you know he's not quite the athletic force that some of these other guys are where you're just like man this guy is unstoppable you know he's solid he's efficient i think i think you're underrating the effect that he's actually had on the wolves this year uh how much better they've been because of him you know they're really on a 50 win pace uh with him and and, you know they won 31 last year even though they underperformed their point differential um so but i think really like you just don't see him like oh man this guy's unstoppable like there's just no one in the league can stop i think if you really put the best defense on him especially in the playoffs that he's a guy who can be forced into some very difficult shots and is not going to be able to draw the help i think his his iso game and he isos a lot is you know not the same as like a kevin durant type of isolation game you know where it's like really you just his mid-ranger you you can't let him get it off 
enough. Like he's he's going to get to the foul line against your best defenders. It's just a different kind of player to me. Even though he's someone you know he's fourth in, in ESPN's RPM this year. Uh, you know, a, a guy who certainly because of how bad they've been when he's off the floor, it looks really good. But he, he's just not the same type of force to me. I've also been for selfish reasons a little bit frustrated this year that we just never really got to see Butler play without Carl Anthony Towns because as a data point that would be useful information to have we've seen Towns play without Butler because now Butler's not playing but for the season I think it's it was less than six minutes a game that those guys have played and yes the Wolves have been bad offensively in those minutes that is not a big enough sample size for me to read anything into it so I'm not going to and Butler has helped in that way but I it's it's hard for me with with, with Towns who's somebody else that I considered for this list just because his offensive talent I mean we talked about it on last night's show is truly special and yeah in especially of, when they figured out that like maybe we should start giving this fucking guy the ball right yeah <laughs> like, it, it, as it's opposed to Andrew ball, Wiggins you know? but by yeah, the way there was a report today that Andrew Wiggins uh was carping to teammates this is from uh Darren Wolfson out, out of Minneapolis uh, on the radio was carping to teammates that he like doesn't feel good about being the third option like uh yeah it's Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns you're gonna be the third be option. happy you you're not the fourth play. option Andrew Wiggins <laughs> <laughs> yeah behind Jeff Teague I totally agree right and Towns has that ability he we we can talk about this a little bit later of the people who can rise on this list but Towns when so I was pulling these numbers for the Zach Levine part of the 15 and 60 and I had this list of guys who played 350 or more minutes and then it was separated by shots per I think it was shots per 100 possessions Carl Anthony yeah. Towns at that point was 100th in the NBA and so you think about just like what they could do with that and maybe it's unfair to hold some of that against Jimmy Butler because Butler has been fabulous offensively this year and has really opened things yeah. up for them offensively but you sit there and you go well Carl Anthony Towns is the most talented offensive center in the league maybe some of that is just him unlocking his potential but again that might not be fair to Jimmy Butler um so anyone else you wanted to kind of comment on in your I mean and by the way we're gonna post I at least am gonna post my rankings patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue they'll be available to our subscribers uh, along with where all these guys ranked in RPM Kevin Pelton's win percentage which we used as well our yeah, APM I'll, I'll and, do... and their rankings last year yeah and I also wrote like a paragraph on all these guys so I can include oh, nice. that as well because that's still what I do I'm still I'm still a writer but yeah let, let me talk about the <laughs> other guys that I considered and I think this is a good way to, to kind of bridge into it so those guys made it Paul George Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns were kind of my next guys on the list George having a much better second half offensively the last time I checked than it's beginning of the year and with him you could it's a little bit easier to write off some of the parts of it just because this was such a massive adjustment to go because he's on a new team with a very different type of alpha dog that he's been used to and defensive capability is all the way there Joel Embiid my pick for defensive player of the year partially because Rudy Gobert is not playing enough and that sucks for Rudy Gobert but Embiid fabulous on that end I I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if he was on my list next year and I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if he wasn't wasn't on the fringes of the top 10 if he was really really in it and then Towns we already talked about a little bit best offensive center in the game ridiculous I really want to see what happens to Embiid in the playoffs he's another one of these guys who hey is he going to be is this regular season effectiveness that he's had defending the rim and a lot of it will depend 
depend on the matchup that he's got too but i mean when we're talking again the criteria is your goal is to win a championship and we're starting the season with you and, and we're going through the playoffs and so you know joel Embiid. my hypothesis is that he's not going to be as effective defensively when you get against these teams that really have a ton of shooting and still have guys who can defend him and then you know a, t- a ton of pick and roll play where they really going to force him to defend out on the floor at the three-point line you know is he going to be able to be taken advantage of or at least have his effect muted to some degree i i don't really know the answer to that i suspect that it is going to be muted i mean we saw for example like how kevin durant was able to take advantage of rudy gobert in pick and roll defense in the playoffs last year down the end of some of those utah games uh you know so i, I think just against the absolute best competition these modern supercharged offenses with the amount of shooting that they can put on the floor you know it's a little bit tougher for these big men to have the same effect defensively that they have in the regular season there are plenty of good reasons for that but couldn't you also see the possibility that he's the best player in the series depending on who they play for sure and it could be that he's just so big in the post that you know you can't go small against him maybe he and towns are the guys that you just can't go small against you know maybe that's they finally begin to shift that pendulum over because they're just so good uh as post-up players i'm not sure that that's the case though especially i think with the new rules it's easier to double team you know it's new been around for 18 years now but uh so i it's just again just the idea that big men just can't be quite as good uh, as the best wings the best perimeter players uh is uh something that i believe in today and, and but i'm looking forward to seeing joel Embiid and carl anthony towns uh, try to uh, break through that opinion so we had a couple other points of discussion that we wanted to get into i think one of them was regrets from last year is that well, right well, can we let's talk about victor oladipo first actually i mean i sure. had him kind of at the lower end of my tier four i think it, it would be 16 but again you know my 12 through 16 is a pretty loose ranking you know i, I had Embiid 12 butler 13 towns 14 george 15 and oladipo 16 and george you know he's a guy who these last few years it seems like just doesn't play as well in the regular season and then you know has an unbelievable playoffs and you're like oh yeah it's paul george right so uh, i'm very interested to see how he performs next to westbrook right now but he just doesn't have any kind of a statistical argument right now for being any higher than he is a lot of that is just based on what he was able to do in the playoffs is his defense um but still not a guy who can i think be the number one engine on your offense but oladipo is i i think you're he's been so good this year i think maybe i'm just your concern is just that hey we haven't seen it in the playoffs this is only two-thirds of a year you know the shooting took a big tick up you know all that i recognize but i think he's just the statistics this year have just been so good you almost have to put him in this category to me i have him a slight step below but yeah it it is close and if we were judging this based on the 2017-18 regular season yeah i mean he he's in all nba consideration far clearer than a lot of these other guys that i would have that i have ranked above him and he's been spectacular this year but i want to see it against better defensive competition i think back to the incidentally the game that he played against paul george going you know that was in i think that was in december when victor oladipo had been this huge story they put paul george on him and for about three and a half quarters george pretty much shut him down and then the pacers went aggressively to getting guys not that were not paul george on victor oladipo and oladipo annihilated everybody else more specifically carmelo anthony yeah yeah no and and that's i mean perhaps it's a little bit reductive in this era when there's so many small small pick and rolls you can just run a regular pick and roll a, a, a lot of times against a slow center incidentally you know who you can't necessarily do that against paul george because he's one of the best guys at getting around screens in the entire league 
Yeah, but even in small, small pick and rolls, I think it, it it becomes a little bit more difficult to just get over the screen and play conventional pick and roll defense. Whereas, um, and you know, I, I said that about Butler too. But Butler, you know, they'll run some small, small pick and rolls, but he's not really, again, the type of guy who I think is going to absolutely kill you the way a LeBron or a, a, a KD will against a smaller player. Um, there are a few I wanted to talk about. Probably the biggest controversy right now in these rankings would be Demar Derozan, not being higher um but around really the only thing that you can look at uh for him that puts him up in this area if you look look at the advanced stats and then certainly obviously his playoff failures you have to say you know if he if he could play much better in the playoffs this year you know he he starts to get in more consideration for me uh but he is 10th in offensive rpm and 9th in offensive rapm uh although he's really bad defensively in both of those metrics um but just you know not quite there in consideration even for the top 15 for me especially with the playoff failures yeah i think he's good to talk about but especially when for my exercise of making this a top 10 list like for those for the line there look at what lillard and kyrie irving have have the difference they've made in their team's offense and yes the raptors are a better team than both of those players teams at the moment but it i i just don't i can't do it yet it's sort of it's a weird analog with victor oladipo where oladipo hasn't proven it yet whereas derozan has baggage but you know it's all relevant derozan is kind of proven it in the opposite direction so far i would rather have oladipo's uncertainty versus derozan i mean i don't want to say certainty but indications that he can't do it now there are some reasons to believe yeah yeah Uh, there are some reasons to believe he could be better now uh uh, but again i want to see in the playoffs the fact that he's shooting threes you know he's shooting 32 percent. it's not some amazing percentage but you got to at least guard him out there now which you didn't before so he's not gumming up the works for his teammates as much when he doesn't have the ball and then defensively they've taken some steps forward he's i think he's playing at a higher level than he was two or three years ago defensively but again we'll see where he's at in the playoffs this year um and anyone else you you feel like is worthy of comments here just of like you know maybe didn't have an argument for the top 10 but just someone that we should talk about people are gonna be like hey what about this guy Hmm. what what about lamarcus i mean you had lamarcus second team all nba center i have him as first team all nba center although that'll probably change uh for the next uh as long as Embiid continues to play and and the, the spurs continue to sputter a little bit for for our next one but you know if the guy's that high how is he not in consideration for you know for me even the top 16 for you even the top 10 to me it's the analogy to i had jimmy butler high in the mvp race probably higher than most despite where i had him in this because he's been more valuable than outstanding like he's been, he's had a very nice year but you plug and play lamarcus aldridge on a bunch of teams and there are you know he's he i don't think he guarantees you a good offense i think this season has largely yeah. burned that out though san antonio's yeah. talent around him has been far worse than any of us expected mostly yeah, I mean, they have out. no shooting on that team i mean it really yes. like the number of perimeter and very players, little shot creation as well yeah yeah i mean it's really the pieces do not fit very well there right now in my opinion offensively and, and if we were to take him out of that system or or do whatever i don't think that he alone you know assures you a good defense or being anything like that he can be a part of a successful one to be sure and he then that has been a nice part of this year but if you can't be that central 
figure on either end of the floor, it's you're going to have to have something kind of special and unusual to warrant inclusion on this list because a lot of these other guys do. I mean, you want to do Kyrie and Lillard and even to, even to a point DeMar DeRozan with the success that the Raptors have had this year. Those players have this established bedrock because when you have a player and we're individually ranking these, the argument is, well, what where is he going to take this team as the best player? And with LaMarcus, I'm, I'm just not completely sold on that outside of this. And that might just be a little bit of Spurs bias, the idea that they get credit for the things that guys do well. And sometimes they don't get blamed for the things guys don't do well. But I'm broadly OK with that in his case. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, and the advanced stats are not really there. 58th in, in RPM, 32nd in RAPM and 17th in PER, if you want to go the more traditional advanced stats route, which is kind of funny that we, we talk about that at this point. Um, quickly, Clay Thompson, just not enough of a creator this year, not a high enough usage to really be in consideration for the top 10 for me. I think most people would agree with that. He's he's maybe one of the best support players in the league. His plug and play ability is amazing. I mean, he might have more plug and play ability. You could just put him on any team in the league and he would fit right in, maybe more so than anyone else in the entire NBA. I mean, you just don't have to change anything that you're doing to get value from him. But just the, the offensive upside on a consistent game to game basis has not been there. And especially the fact that he hasn't really been able to raise his game during the time that Stephen Curry has missed this season. Uh, the way he did actually back in those 2016 playoffs uh, has been a disappointment. And then Nikola Jokic, massive defensive problems, and, and it's just not quite the offensive creator on a reliable game to game basis for me to be in there. And then Gobert, uh, he's number one in defensive RPM by a mile, but. Uh, I think number one, the offense is maybe just slightly above average for a center with the offensive rebounding, the finishing around the rim. And then defensively, I'm not sure that it's going to translate in the playoffs for the same reason we talked about. Although I do think he has a little more mobility than Embiid does. Yeah, I I had challenges with Gobert and he's so spectacular when he's been playing defensively this year. But the challenges that he had against the Warriors, and yeah, that's not necessarily fair. The Warriors are ridiculous. But the way that he can, uh, a, a center based uh, uh, sorry an interior based center functions in the modern NBA there there are things there that I just I, I I'm not going to be able to reconcile them until he reconciles them in a circumstance against a good team and I hope we get that opportunity this year whatever playoff round that is but I'm a little bit skeptical of that let's talk about some of the guys who've dropped off a, a little sure. bit um I think probably the the biggest one who you know has been relatively healthy most of the year uh is Draymond Green you know I had had him right on the cusp of the top 10 last year not really even in consideration for my top 16 this year would you agree with that I would agree with that he's had a less impactful defensive year than I expected and that could just be throttling that he's getting ready to kick it up but until he does I'm not going to do that another the, one the shooting for me, the shooting is a problem too for for him I mean I think sure. we're on we're two years removed now from that 2016 season when he shot nearly uh I think like 38 percent and teams have been intentionally leaving him open from the three-point line he has not been able to beat that strategy and then with his reduced athleticism his ability to get to the basket and finish just be more of a threat offensively is a 
problem and i think especially you know steph curry and clay thompson make him look so much better offensively if you don't have these guys who are going to be able to operate off the ball while he has the ball in his hand so you have to still guard him to some degree uh you know he becomes a lot less valuable i think in the non-curry minutes we've seen that to some degree so but really the biggest thing is i think the defense has not been there that's been reflected in the on off and and maybe if he has an unbelievable defensive playoffs we'll talk about him differently but at 28 i think it, it is possible especially for an undersized guy you know you're he's probably three or four years removed now from your pure athletic peak you know in terms of just your run jump athleticism when you're 28 so this could just be a new level for him to, due to age he struggled with some injuries too he's someone who i think you know we'll talk in a second about guys who have some upward mobility you know if he has another awesome playoffs then maybe he kind of gets that lebron benefit of the doubt next year you know if he doesn't have the same type of regular season i think the next point of discussion in terms of guys that dropped off so westbrook dropped from seven from me which was extremely controversial at the time when he was the front runner for mvp yeah and well, he was six I for me so that. yeah no i mean yeah. that's we talked about our biggest regrets from last year i think having and now harden has played a lot better this year but i think we had last year both of us had harden and westbrook below curry durant and james and and Kawhi also and i think that was borne out by what ended up happening in the playoffs westbrook did not have a good playoffs he was extremely inefficient uh and then harden obviously with that collapse in the spurs series you know it seemed like that was uh that was justified even though of course we had those guys as one two and mvp last year uh and then you know the way steph played in the playoffs the way kd played in the playoffs james i think all those were pretty justified last year but yeah so what is uh, one of your regret like who did we have too low or too high last year well i'm not sure it's necessarily a regret but i've been struck by two guys that one was in consideration and one was i actually wrote in kyle lowry i'm just going off my old sheet i may have made a notation i had kyle lowry 11th and then i had john wallen considered neither one of those guys is super close to your top 16 whatever the equivalent would be for me yeah i had john wall actually i think and i'm i haven't listened to the whole podcast yet but i was shocked to see that i actually had him at number eight last year which you know was at the top of a tier with a ton of guys in it uh but that obviously he's fallen off there's been the injury concerns but also just uh, maybe you know because he was in the midst of the best season of his career you felt like he was really on the come last year and then uh obviously the injury concerns this year just total inefficiency we talked in the 15 and 60 about how he just the jump shot his pick and roll play has just been so subpar this year uh and, and they've been a better team with him than without him this year you know that whole thing is kp actually wrote a good piece on that but you know he's not even really in consideration for me this year so that would probably be one of my regrets uh maybe having Giannis you know maybe Giannis should have been a little bit higher especially because I thought he had a pretty good playoff although he was a little inconsistent um let me see who else I kind of regret having as low as I did um maybe Irving should have been higher the way he played in the playoffs last year the way he's played this year in the yeah, I didn't season. even have him in considered last year yeah that's that's a regret um and then some of the other guys who just dr- have dropped off a little bit I mean they weren't in the top 10 but uh, Isaiah I had at number nine mm-hmm. last year and I don't regret that he was just unbelievable last season and, and and frankly, he had a pretty darn good playoffs before he re-injured that hip again. You know, I mean, he was dropped 53-point game, uh, uh, for example, um, despite all of the terrible stuff that he was going through with his sister and the injury. And, you know, so I don't regret having him there. I mean, he obviously is not even close to consideration for this list, not even close to even all-star consideration this year. Uh, Cal Lowry has dropped off for me, too. Um, you know, again, I, I, and probably a guy that I probably put, put a little bit too high last year. I think I'm... Ha- 
I had him at 12th ish last year and you know after he wasn't bad in, in the playoffs last year but and, and then this year he's just he's not the main offensive engine of the Raptors anymore uh and they've succeeded now in just more of an egalitarian style so I think it just there's not really the argument that he's at, at that level any longer do you want to talk a little bit about the guys that we think were not in the top 10 that could be next year yeah yeah I, I think that's a, a good one I mean is there anyone that we just haven't even mentioned that you think could get there Gordon Hayward yeah well yeah he's obviously another guy who's dropped off I, I don't see him as having that type of potential especially having missed a year in his late 20s now uh coming coming off of a serious injury I don't think he's just quite dominant enough offensively even at you know what we saw as his best in Utah uh and it's not like he was playing in a bad system in Utah where he's going to get that Boston boost maybe the way some other guys so uh, I think I see that as pretty unlikely do you think Simmons or Mitchell some of the guys who are competing for a good year I think they're another couple of years away at a whole ton of development from getting there but there are guys we yeah. haven't discussed so I mean if Simmons never gets a jumper I'm not sure he may never get to be a top 10 player in the NBA if he can't get a better jump shot than what he has um you know he I mean he would have to kind of become almost a Draymond Green level of defender to me to get up to really serious top 10 consideration if if he just never improves the jumper and I think it's more likely than not that you know the jumper remains a serious liability for a long time if maybe forever Chris has Porzingis maybe it's someone we could have talked about but obviously with the ACL that's no longer the case um you know uh I mean maybe Draymond I was talking about if he has just an unbelievable playoffs defensively and really just proves to be that one game-changing force defensively in a way that those big centers aren't because he can switch still you know that might be it uh I think Carl Towns has the biggest uh kind of upside here especially the way that he's dominated offensively lately if they actually you know keep throwing him the ball (laughs) every once in a while uh and if he can make some strides defensively I think he's done a little bit this year and and the talent is there for him I mean he's a guy who I I would say so I would say I think Embiid is more likely to make the top 10 for one simple reason I think he's improving faster than Towns is Towns it's more about opportunity and improvement but if Joel Embiid if he just tones down his turnovers I think and he can perform in the playoffs at a level that we are okay with I think he he makes this playoff he he could and they really are able to defend the same way they have in the regular season against the best teams in the playoffs you know and they win a round or two I think we you know we might feel that's definitely one that comes to mind for me that's a good one yeah so uh, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes and um I, I so got much will change. You, actually I mean I had sure. him at number nine but I mean the level that Damian Lillard is playing at lately yeah uh you know I mean he could get even higher potentially I mean I think I don't know that he has enough around them to where I would even favor them in the first round even if they hold on to the three seed necessarily uh but you know if he takes them through a round and then he has a, a another great series uh you know I think they have very little chance of beating Houston or, or Golden State unless they're significant injuries but nonetheless um he's someone and then obviously Kawhi. you know i had him at seven i know you had him higher you know he could get right back into being you know a top three well, player and, very easily and the, the, my version of that is harden i have harden at five he could be number two right. by mid-june without any question yeah and oladipo maybe is someone too i mean I, I, it has a little bit more of a feeling that in his first playoffs he could maybe struggle DeRozan has got a lot of upward mobility too i mean if he just has a really nice yeah. playoffs the raptors make it to the finals i think the conception of him could change if he's a, a big driver of that um what about like biggest drop-off risk i would say westbrook is probably number one for me and and paul number two just due to the age well i mean westbrook isn't anywhere on any of my list so i i think well i guess he's in fringe of the considered yeah chris paul has his has a serious one for me Kawhi, just because i had him so high still that if if your operating idea is more correct than mine then yeah he, he could fall way down because he needs to get back to where he was to be there yeah uh 
I mean, I'm not sure we're really going to get Jimmy Butler, like the confluence of things that have led to me being a little bit higher on him. You know, that's that stuff could fall away a little bit, not necessarily related to his injury, but the the things have come together this year to make him look really good in that way. And it could dissipate to a degree next year. Maybe Kyrie just goes nuclear as well in the playoffs this year. You know, maybe we're talking about him as like, you know, sixth, fifth best guy. Um, God, I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but you and I haven't discussed this very much but the idea of a celtic sixers series in any round the volatility and the stock of basically every single player in that series would be incredible <laughs> yeah well i mean have- as as rational analysts we're supposed to not put too much emphasis <laughs> on one series um and, and, true, and also i mean but- and also one particular matchup but you know and and you can always make the argument that hey you know what we're overrating the playoffs here i try not i, I rate playoff performance very highly i try not to rate as highly just which team happens to win you know if the guy plays really well you know i thought for example Kawhi in 2016 i thought he was really good even though they lost to the thunder that year uh you know that wasn't his fault um yeah uh let's see i think that's it anything else you want to say or or can we uh wrap it up here well here's one last thing what player do you think could raise them their stock the most not from this year to next year but if we theoretically which we won't did this again on july 1st who do you think has the most upward mobility just in that span well you could say lebron james could be back in his own tier again at number one i mean that's a pretty big jump it would be but th- they're not going to win the championship this year i mean I, I think i think most people whoever comes out of the west unless there's a significant injury it's just going to be tough and you know no matter how good lebron is in the playoffs i think it's hard if, if unless they win the championship it's going to be hard to push him up above um i can give you two if you want to think about it yeah, one, yeah but- Giannis, because Giannis can push himself to me into that tier uh, if he has that kind of playoffs and the Bucks, because it's the East and I'm not super sold on any of those teams, they could make the Eastern Conference Finals. Sure. I don't I don't love them. I don't, I'm not predicting that's going to happen. But if they do, it's because Giannis went supernova. And then the other one for me is Joel Embiid, just because he can go from an uncertainty to maybe not a certainty, but a whole lot closer to that. And that is his biggest criticism right now. His biggest criticism is that he hasn't shown it. So do that. Towns is to a different degree, but he's just playing against better competition. Yeah. Well, and Kawhi, I mean, I have him at seven. He could come back at some point uh and, and maybe by the playoffs he looks like the same guy he's always been and then you know he's right back in the top five for me uh that's I just don't see it with Giannis I think just you know the jump shot is too far away I, I think he I mean we said this last year and he went to another level but he's kind of been regressing since we said like hey you know what like we never thought he could get to another level without adding the jump shot and he's gotten to another level but then he's kind of regressed a little bit from that level he was at at the start of the year uh so I'm not sure what ceiling there is left for him to explore especially when you consider not only the lack of the jump shot but then also just this bucks offensive system which has so disappointed me of late to where they just you know there just isn't enough space on the floor for him to go to abuse guys um because there's just too much help defense around him all right i think we are have reached the bottom of the barrel uh this has been fun thanks so much for listening and uh if you have any reactions i encourage you either respond uh if you're a patreon subscriber on there tweet me of course uh, we can do that uh next time we do Twitter NBA show which won't be till next Wednesday because of the tournament but obviously we'll talk about it then as well if you guys I mean that's that's one of the best ways if you just want to like talk about something we've said on the show is just to watch the Twitter NBA show I mean even if you're not necessarily on the game you know you're probably got a pretty good chance of getting a live answer if not you know a, a really well thought out one because it's live but uh we respond pr- 
probably to just about everyone who asked a reasonable question at one point or another during that, those broadcasts. So uh, check that out. Uh, anything you want to plug before we depart, Danny? I released both the Real Gym Radio with Sam Vecini on draft prospects and the ridiculous mascot bracket. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this before on the, sh- on the show, so I'll mention I wrote a piece last week, which is more relevant now than it was, on the Clay Thompson's not making the All-NBA team probably this year, the impact of that on the Warriors' second designated veteran slot. And then I'll have a piece on the Stepien rule that's up whenever it gets edited. All right, thanks again. Don't forget our sponsors today. Uh, MyBookie.ag, use the, that cap space code. They'll give you a 50% deposit match uh, and Squarespace uh, as well. Talk to you all tomorrow. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 